When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to On Texas Football. It's time for State of the Program, our weekly address here with Rod Babers. I'm Bobby Burton. It's brought to you by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. We appreciate him. Rod, uh, weekly address here. Let's let's talk about some of what we think are the big ticket items mm. uh, for the Longhorns right now. Uh, I've been thinking about this and trying to stew on it a little bit. Uh, really two things for me uh, right now. The final recruiting rankings came out. Uh, in the state of Texas and across the country for all of the recruits. Uh, and Texas players are also at the Senior Bowl, like a lot of them yeah. were. Now, now a couple they of were. Yeah. <laughs> they're also at this Shrine game, the East-West, all that stuff too, right? And I wanted to ask you uh, and talk a little bit about how that kind of plays off of one another a little bit and, and just get into that. And then the other piece uh, for us, uh, I want to talk about Texas recruiting in the SEC footprint, uh, mm -hmm. because that is something that I've really noticed over the last week. It's not, and I used, I talked about this in coffee and football. I no longer feel like Texas is giving lip service to recruiting in the SEC footprint. Mm -hmm. They are out and about. It's not just, oh, I'll send my big guy to shard choice over there. Mm -hmm. Get a guy. I'll send Jeff Banks over there. No, Blake Gideon was in Atlanta yesterday. Um, you know, everybody is going that direction. Uh, yeah. Fine players. Um, and so Johnny Nansen is out in California. They're, they're doing, they're not just saying it. They're actually doing it. And I think it's going to lead, uh, you know, Texas has always been a very fertile recruiting state in, mm -hmm. of and in its own right. But I think A&M did it and has done it successfully to some degree because A&M's had the talent. It's not been the talent that's been A&M's problem, nope. in my opinion. It's been the execution. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about that and what you think about that. First, yeah. though, let's get off to this first start that I had had an idea. You know as well as I do, when Texas was winning, they were uh, in back in the aughts, they were having the number one, number two, number three, four, five recruiting class every year, yep. right? And that kind of ran its way until all of a sudden they were still having the number one, two, three, four or five recruiting class. But four years later, the results in the draft weren't playing along. Yeah. Right. Um, so I feel like in the last 10 years, what we've seen is an overcorrection of sorts in the recruiting industry because Texas isn't paying, putting as many players or wasn't putting as many players in the NFL draft. I feel like recruiting rankings have kind of self-corrected for that. Oh, well, Texas guys, let's really make sure we put them under the microscope compared to an Alabama guy who we know has already been under a microscope hmm. by Nick Saban. Um, what, do you, what do you think of that? I mean, do you think that's part of it? I, I've been in those rooms and helped grade players before, like yourself back in the day, mm -hmm. right? It, I know for a fact it's hard. You know, I'm not trying to sit here and point fingers mm -hmm. at anybody. Um, but do you think that's kind of a, like an inherent bias? Once you start putting a lot of players in the NFL, all of a sudden your recruiting rankings are kind of going to follow because they're going to give you some – I mean, Steve Sarkeesian at some point, if he keeps putting 
six, seven, eight guys in the NFL every year is going to get the benefit of the doubt, like Nick Saban or Ryan Day or whoever. Yeah, chicken or the egg, right? I mean, it's a, it's one of those yeah, conversations. Uh, you can battle it from both. I mean, you can argue it from both sides. Um, I, I'm with you. I think ultimately this is Texas once again continuing to shatter the negative narrative that has been almost like a, a dark cloud over this program for the last 10 plus years, which is the negative recruiting pitch against Texas, which is, hey, man, yeah, Texas, they can recruit. They got top classes. Oh, excuse me. There. Sorry, my bad. It's all right, man. Uh, they have top classes, but ultimately they don't develop those guys, right? Something is lost in translation along the way. And I think that's what Sark has tried to bridge that disconnect. What's lost in what was lost in translation? Texas bringing in great talent. Uh, we heard this quote from Garrett Wilson a few years ago that still kind of rings true. That oh yeah, great players go to Texas and they seem to disappear there. So I'm not going there. Right? Great players would come here at four and five star blue chips, and then they would either be underdeveloped are undeveloped uh, to a certain extent, and we'd see those guys underachieve. They would never reach their ceiling as a player. They would never reach the ultimate you know, level of expectation for those really good players, those blue chips that came in. And Sark, by the way, with most of the guys he inherited in his, in his staff, uh, Sark has put a great staff together, most of the guys he inherited from Tom Herman's regime, those are the guys that he actually proved that he could develop and he could bridge that disconnect. Um, with the guys that you just see like Tavondre Sweat and your Christian Jones of the world who's going to end up getting drafted. Uh, you know, there are certain guys that are going to get drafted anyway, right? X-Man was going to get drafted. A.D. Mitchell was going to get drafted. Uh, J.T. Sanders, I mean, that guy's a five-star athlete. He was going to get drafted. But I think it's some of the other players, right? It's the Jalen Fords of the world who was the lowest-rated recruit uh, in his class, uh, three-star guy that will be drafted now. Probably not in the first round or the second round, maybe in the third round right there. But still, that's a guy that has achieved and oh, you can argue that has exceeded expectations. I will shout his ceiling as a player. Christian Jones, a lot of people didn't think Christian Jones when he first came in was an NFL talent. Now you got him at, you know, one of the scene at the senior bowl showing out to the extent where they're like, yeah, this guy's a late round pick. He may push his draft stock to being close to a middle round pick, depending on, you know, if he does a run on tackles and if he can play both tackle and guard, all those situ all those uh, circumstances. So I just think that right now Sark has, get, he's, 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 he's earned the benefit of the doubt from Longhorn fans who were once, like all of us, uh, they, they were once frustrated with the lack of talent development on the 40 acres. And there was an argument to be made of all the issues that Texas had in the last decade plus, you know, culture issues, um, you know, entitlement, uh, you know, Texas not having the best facilities, although they're all issues that contribute to Texas not being able to be the, you know, the elite brand that it, the standard of, of Texas football they expect. But ultimately, talent development was the biggest issue. Texas was bringing in talent and they did not develop it to reach ultimately its ceiling and to reach expectation levels. Now I believe that is happening and that is happening across the board with the high end talent, your JT Sanders, your X-Men's of the world, uh, but all, all AD Mitchell's of the world. He's in that category too. Byron Murphy, but also with guy held Tavondre Sweat is one of those guys, right? Uh, and Christian Jones, one of those guys, and Jalen Ford's one of those guys. Those are the great story. Hey, I get Jonathan Brooks is one of those guys. Uh, I think those are the hell. He might be the first running back drafted, even with the injury. He still might be the run, first running back off the board. I think those are the stories that give Longhorn fans optimism about the talent development that has returned to the 40 acres. Well, here's what here's what's interesting to me. NFL.com put out its top 50 picks. Yeah, I saw that. 
Okay, five Longhorns in that group. Mm-hmm. Okay, Byron Murphy, Adonai Mitchell, J.T. Sanders, Xavier Worthy, and Tavondre Sweat. Yeah. Now Sanders and Worthy were five stars. Okay, but they were also the only five stars that were graduating this year, mm-hmm. or that went early. So what I think is int- important is a the guys that are ranked high they need to do well, exactly. and then you need to show development from the other guys, right? And Byron Murphy is going to go. Be, looks like he's going to be the first Longhorn off the board. Trending. Yep. Now Adonai Mitchell's a transfer, so I don't really count him. He's original. Or he he put while he played some in Missouri City down in the Houston area. He really finished his high school career up in Antioch, Tennessee. The fifth one is Tavondre Sweat, who again not highly ranked. So Murphy and Sweat, not highly ranked, end up uh, being top fifty-ish type picks. But that, to your point. That doesn't talk about Jalen Ford. I, I can tell you right now, mm-hmm. Jalen Ford, as a high school player, was committed to Utah. Okay? Utah has pretty good linebackers. Yeah. You, you agree with that? Yep. Last minute switch from, tech, from Utah to Texas. If you turned on uh, Jalen Ford's film as a high school senior, you wouldn't have said three-star. You would have mm-hmm. said four-star, but he didn't have that, that brand attached to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And so I, I'm saying all of this in a backwards way to try to get people to understand that I think that there's a little bit of a tie to that that goes into it. It's hard mm-hmm. to, to question Nick Saban, is it not? Yep. I mean, he, take, he takes a defensive lineman or a defensive back. You think that defensive back's probably got a chance, right? Hell yeah, you do. Yeah, exactly. Now you <laughs> can have, oh, well, he's not a blue, blue chip or something, but you think he probably has a chance. And so – I feel like some of the recruiting rankings don't take are not yet taking into account exactly where Steve Sarkeesian is on the development plane. Yeah, I agree with that. And I know it's I know that that means oh well they look at it despite that. No, they second guess a lot of Texas players. That's Mm -hmm. how I would put it. Yeah, they're still second guessing players. Well, they're giving the benefit of the doubt to I don't know Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day, or whomever. At some level, not, not every level. Yeah, and I you're saying that's going to change. They do a good, I think overall those guys do a really good job and a valuable one. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, but you're saying that's going to change. He's going to get that benefit of the doubt if he does enough. If he stacks another draft class of seven-eight guys again, and not just guys he inherited, but guys they kind of brought in through the system. That's when you're talking about that pipeline, and then he'll get the benefit of the doubts. And that's when if Sark takes a three star, well, maybe we gotta look at this guy again. Maybe there's something going on. I'm with you. It's a, it. I don't know which one it is either. I'm sure there's a deeper dive we could take, but you're right. It's a very interesting conversation. Or or the five star guy may really be a five star guy, and we don't need to second guess ourselves on it. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. That's the other one that, that happens a little bit too. All right, I want to go into to recruiting a little bit more and talk about the SEC footprint. print. But first, I, I want to mention our, our sponsor of each and every state of the program. That's Adam Lowy at the Lowy Law Firm. Uh, for a couple of decades now, Adam and his team have been helping injured Texans. If you've been injured in a car wreck on the job or uh, 
in an accident with a motorcycle, bike, whatever, what have you, give Adam and his team a call. 512-280-0800. That's LoweyLawFirm.com. 512-280-0800. The phone call is absolutely free. Consultation free as well. Thanks, Adam. All right. Uh, here's here's my take on it. Rod, you're, you grew up in Houston. You played yes, with mostly guys that were from Houston, Dallas, Central Texas, East Texas. Pretty much. You know, 90% of the guys you played with on your rosters. Yep. I don't think it's going to look like that in four years from now, based on what I'm seeing right now with Steve Sarkeesian and what he's doing. I bet this this roster looks more like 65 to 70% in-state and 30 to 40% out-of-state, mm-hmm. based on just how much attention they're giving some out-of-state players. I think that, you know, we look at what, what Saban did at Alabama. I'm not sure Alabama is the blueprint for Sark, though. I think it's more Pete Carroll. Yeah. Pete Carroll sat in Southern California, and he wanted the best players from the state of California, and then he wanted to go cherry-pick guys he thought were first-rounders elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I think that's Sark's vision for Texas football. Not in that, of course, to do that, you have to be in the SEC because that's where a lot of those first round picks happen. Almost a third of them are from the SEC footprint, if not more. So what do you, what do you think of that? I mean, overall as an idea. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense by because Alabama is not one of your top four most fertile recruiting grounds in the country. And not only is Texas and California different in that respect, but geographically, they're so much larger. So you really can just say, you know what, I'm going to build organically my roster from Texas and California players just because you're the number one option in the state most of the time. Now, Texas, Texas, I'm not disrespecting any of them, but most of the time it's been Texas. Same thing with USC. Most of the time, top talent in the state, they're going to look at the top school in the state, and that's USC in terms of the branding. I'm not saying record every year. Um, So that's why it's different, and that's why they can afford that luxury. Because because Mac Brown used to – I mean, everybody would get Mac Brown's leftovers. He would get the best players in the state, and everybody else would get his leftovers. Mac Brown never got in recruiting battles with Baylor's of the world and TCU's of the world. No, he was in recruiting battles with A&M. That was pretty much it. Now, you know, back in – you know, prior to Sark, I would say, hell, Tom Herman was getting in recruiting battles with – Baylor's of the world and TCU's and that's not anything against Tom Herman that's just where the state of Texas had gum had had become because Mac Brown's pitch was always simple we are the best football program in the state period we produce NFL players we got we 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 get NFL players drafted and we win a whole lot of games every year record wise we're the best program in the state and based on the culture and the facilities we're your best option if you're the best if you're one of the best players in the state and they always were but when Texas fell off after 2010, he didn't have that pitch anymore. That was not the pitch. He couldn't say he was the best program in the state because you weren't. You weren't necessarily the best program. Other programs were winning more games in Texas. Other programs, that's facilities were on par with Texas. So he couldn't just play that chip anymore. And that's when everything changed, in my opinion. That Matt Brown could no longer rule the Iron Throne, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, right? He didn't rule the Iron Throne. He, there were other entities that came into Texas that he no longer had that wall around the state. And that's when you start to see that the SEC power start to uh, infiltrate the state a little bit more because Mac Brown didn't have power over the state anymore. And there are all these other programs who also are rising to power in the state. And I think your, your uh, comparison to Pete Carroll is 
uh, is is perfect because it, Pete Carroll was actually at at, the, at his height, right? He was at his apex, the zenith of the program. Texas is once again ascending. If Texas is ascending like that, we've already heard recruits say it. Texas will have their pick of the best players in the state. Now you can go cherry pick, as you said, the best players everywhere else. And I think you're right. Sark is intentionally not just infiltrating, invading SEC country. He wants to invade it. He wants to. He wants to, all the young prospects to know now and almost put the other schools on notice that, no, no, Texas wants to recruit the SEC footprint, as you said, but also they've been waiting to do it because now they are a part of the SEC. They have the brand with them now to be able to do it. They don't have to deal with the negative recruiting pitch of, yeah, but you play in the Big 12. No, we don't. They play in the SEC, baby. They play where the best football is being played, and the program is offering you some of the best uh, benefits as a pro, as a prospect now coming out. I mean, there unto me, I don't who can who can beat NIL for Texas. Nobody can. Talent development. We'll talk about that later on because the draft will be potentially an historic draft for Texas, uh, competing for championships in the Final Four. I just don't right now. I don't know how you could or why you would pass. I'm not just saying as a homer. I'm just saying like other than that, you got to find a lot of other reasons. Um, to you know, to, for for to negatively recruit against Texas because right now they're negative and, and, and to take them off your list before even going to see them. Exactly. I mean, all you're asking for as a coach at some level is a chance, right? If you're recruiting someone, and I, I will say this: USC, for example, I mean, they could get the Matt Liners and the Reggie Bushes, but they went to Colorado to get Lindale White. Yeah. You know, they there were guys every so often that they went to go get from other places. Um, Likewise, I mean, I, I think back, uh, Rod, and I feel like Texas is more similarly situated to USC and perhaps Florida. Back with oh, Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer. And, that, and they would get the uh, a lot of the, most of their roster, sixty to seventy percent, would be Floridians, and they they'd go fill up with first round draft picks from other parts of the country. That the Percy Harvins of the world, those kind of guys, right? Mm -hmm. That's where I think Texas is trying to be like, as opposed to an Alabama, which it is a it, it is a good talent producing state, right? It is. Yes, but it doesn't have the volume, so it it's thirty to forty percent of its roster are Alabamas of scholarship roster or mm -hmm. Alabamans, whereas Texas probably wants that to be sixty from the state of Texas. Yep, and same with USC, same with Florida at some point in, in time as well, and I I feel like that is. The one thing that I always think about that is that that's a defensible idea. If you're the head coach at Texas, that that's how it should be because you know, you can replicate that in good years and in bad. So if you're yep. really recruiting, if you have a bad year, just go more in state the next year, because you may not have the shine might not be on your program. Like it was mm -hmm. at the same time, if you have a great year, go more out of state. If you can get the top level guys that yep. no matter where they come from, but you have to create that uh, infrastructure with the coaches to do that. And I think that's what Sark's doing right now. It, that's it's a great not, point. I mean, look, they're in California. They're in Arizona. They've been to Arizona twice already in the last two weeks. Okay. They're in Texas. You know that. And they're all the way east. Mm -hmm. down, down to Jacksonville. They offered a guy from Tampa today. Uh, Tampa, <laughs> Florida. I mean, and so – I'm trying to say all of this because I think that that's the vision that Sark has. And that's why I want to put this on state of the program. It's not so much, oh, they're recruiting in the SEC. It's about how he's framing it for the long haul. 
Um, that is a defensible recruiting strategy for the University of Texas that can still keep them at an elite level. Uh, okay. Uh, I want to mention one other thing with you, Rod, because I thought you might uh, appreciate this. Uh, but first, I want to say thank you one last time to our sponsor. That's Adam Lowy at the Lowy Law Firm, each and every state of the program. Brought to you by Adam and his firm, the Lowy Law Firm, 512-280-0800. If you've been injured in a car wreck, uh, motorcycle, truck, what, what have you, give Adam and his group a call, 512-280-0800. Rod, the, the last comment I want to make to you, and this is something I talked to a scout last night uh, that's at the Senior Bowl watching uh, Christian Jones, okay? And one of the things he mentioned to me is he hadn't seen Christian Jones in more than a year. He doesn't have Texas as a region that he scouts. Yeah. But he had seen Texas um, work out or play one game last year. Question for you. He said that he thinks that Christian Jones, the question for him coming in wasn't whether he could play tackle in NFL. It's whether or not he could be a starting guard in the NFL. Hmm. That's what that that was his his uh, guy's question. Can Christian Jones be a starting guard for us? And he said he came away from that first practice saying, yes, he could be wow. a starting guard. And so when you started mentioning, we mentioned those five guys, right? Murphy, Sweat, Mitchell, Worthy, uh, and uh, Sanders yep. being top 50. You start adding guys like Christian Jones, Jalen Ford, Jonathan Brooks. That's mm -hmm. eight. Yep. Okay. Uh, the question I had for you on, as it relates to Jones a little bit is, is this. I made the comment in, in today's on Texas football that my feeling on this is third, fourth, fifth round. That's where guys like Christian Jones go in part because if they see you as a starter on the offensive or defensive line, they'll give you a little bump in that range, that third, fourth, fifth round, even if it's at guard as opposed to which and not a premium position. You get my point? Yeah. So we, we all know tackles are premiums, edges mm -hmm. are premiums. But if they think you're a starter, they'll push you up. You, you think you, he gives, goes in the fourth, fifth round now if he continues to have that kind of thing? Because I that's where I'm I'm seeing it right now, to be honest, based on yeah. I think he was a, a late round pick and based on some of the evaluations coming out of the senior bowl, I am with you. I think he's moving up. His draft stock is definitely uh, increasing. And you look at the fact that, you know, he's a guy that if he does come in and project as a guard and ends up playing guard still, that means a guy that can swing out at one point to play right tackle for you. If you need him to in emergency situations, that always increases your draft stock. A guy that can play multiple spots on the O line or multiple spots uh, on defense or whatever. If you have that, that, that versatility in your skill set, they like that. It's another data point that adds to it. And I just think they, the fact that he's so coachable, that's one thing you know about Christian Jones. You know he's coachable because you look at him every season he's been at Texas, he's gotten better. Just bit by bit. Right? Exactly. Every well, long this guy, this guy said, hey, Rod, this guy said, he said his body looks different. Yes. That's a little that, and he goes. I know he's like a fifth or sixth year guy. He goes, but you don't necessarily see guys' bodies change that much if they're that old. But his bodies tend to continue to get better too. 
Yeah, and I think that's what the coaches like about him, right? We know what is his freshman year uh, in high school. He's what about six three two fifteen. Yep. So essentially, he's had this body, this new body where he's was he three twenty six five, almost six six. He's had this body for probably what about five or six years. He's been in this new yep. frame yeah. with yep. with this mass. I mean, there's a really good chance there's still tremendous upside because he really hadn't necessarily connected the the you know the footwork with the power and the strength in this body and the fact that he's gotten better every year tells you the more and more comfortable he gets in this frame the better he gets and he's coachable he's getting better every year he takes he takes the coaching and actually executes it on the field so i i'm with you i it's not a guy that when i first saw him play will be saying oh he's got to be drafted in the middle rounds of the nfl draft but once again a testament to the talent development brother it's a great testament to it yeah, it really is. And here, here's what I would say to you. So I would have pet it at less than 50-50 odds he would have gone in the top five rounds before I had that conversation with that yeah. guy last night. Now I'd put it at better than 50-50. He goes in the fourth or higher. Wow. That's kind of what I'm talking – I mean, based on that, because he the guy's like, look, smart GMs, they, they get wealthy by getting starters in the third, fourth, fifth round on the line so they don't have to pay anybody. That's exactly right. <laughs> they don't have to pay big free agents coming in that second. Cheap contract. labor. Cheap labor. The best yeah. GMs, they find cheap labor. They really do. That's the key. It really is. So that I, I was I was kind of I wasn't stunned by it, but I was taken. I, I said, ah, something worth talking about, maybe uh, with you, Rod. All right. Uh for Rod, that's gonna do it for stay of the program. Thanks again to Adam Lowy. Uh Rob will be back next week, buddy. Uh yes, hope sir. that uh, we'll have another visitor with us uh, next week as well. Uh, for Rod Babers uh, and Adam Lowy, our sponsor, uh, this has been Stay the Program. Hook them, guys. Hook them. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.